Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. This morning I am joined by an inspirational speaker, Steve Warwick, who talks about men's mental health. Well, we've already had Darren on the show and a couple of other people, and Mark last week actually, who shared their journey with mental health. And Steve's going to do pretty much the same thing, but we're also going to talk about how healthy can be done sexy. And as usual, The Wise Why is not about me, it is about my guest. So Steve, the floor is yours. Please introduce yourself. I don't feel anything better what you've just uh, what you've just come up with there. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, if I start at, at where we're at now with, with the healthy down sexy, that's um, my Instagram page that's kind of born from my recovery from an eating disorder, um, and I guess that's what we're here to talk about today and the the journey of recovery rather than the uh, the sad stuff at the beginning. It's we. I'm an ex-dancer, so um, I have like dancing acting. And the pressure on me when I was performing to stay perfectly skinny, I mean, I used to walk around like six and a half, seven stone. Today, I still feel fat and repulsive and ugly and struggle to get to a swimming costume. And we hear an awful lot about women struggling with our weight. The marketing at us is falling, but not much is ever shared about men who struggle. And firstly, Thank you for being brave and joining me today because I'm really pleased that we can share this issue. So, um, how long have you been in recovery? Um, I'm going to give away my age, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I do, so, you know, you don't use more. <laughs> so, I, I wouldn't, 13 years, 13 years from when I, when I decided that enough was enough. and. I, I, I don't know, I woke up one day and I just thought like, I, I need to do more, do more. Um, and that was the start of my journey. I mean, being diagnosed with ordinary personality disorder when I was a teen, I was about 15, one of the key characteristics of that is um, like an all or nothing mentality. And obviously that was that was being that was affecting me negatively um but on that day that i woke up and a light bulb went off i i think i used the all or nothing on the positive so i kind of just was dived into what can i do how can i make myself better uh, so yeah so 13 years later yeah, I, I'm I'm sex and dyspraxic. I didn't get my label until I was 37. But being labelled, and you know, we don't talk about it very often. But suddenly, at 15 years old, finally, was was it 15? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you get that label, it must have had some. I, I remember that the, I went to bed when I found out I was dyslexic and dyspraxic, and pulled the duvet over my head and cried and cried. I remember crying an awful lot because. I didn't know how to deal with it. I don't know if you went to yourself myself. I um, don't really know how I felt when I was when I was fifteen, and kind of you know your your brain's rife with emotion, and you've got other things going on in your life. You know the GPCs are coming out, girls are are, are interesting, and uh, I think there was an element of relief because I knew that my behaviours and and I knew that my I thought that my feelings weren't normal. Uh, obviously, teenage boys don't really talk to each other about their feelings, but I, I knew there was something not quite right. 
uh, self harm and, and certain thoughts that I was having that weren't normal. Uh, so when when I was told that you know yes there is something wrong with you, um, that was a relief. Being told that there's not an awful lot that can be done about wrong with me was difficult. And, and that's a, a really important point, isn't it? Borderline personality disorder, there's so many complexities within it. I don't know enough. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm certainly not going to try and even, even try and unravel it. But there isn't, it, it's not a one stop, oh, here, take an antidepressant and it will control your behavior. No. No. I, I was putting this telegram. Uh, me and everyone else. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I didn't feel any, any benefit of that. Uh, I was given later on in my teens, maybe my early twenties, I was given six seconds um, CBT, um, but that didn't, didn't seem to work with me. Um, I'm not quite sure why. I I was able to talk very openly about my thoughts, my feelings, the things I've done. Um, so I think because I was okay with being really honest with that at that time. I, it's kind of like I'd, I'd already kind of come to terms with it, so it wasn't really bringing anything out. I suppose it was it was difficult, but it didn't. Yeah, the way it, it didn't work for me at that time. And and now you know you, you're you're through. I mean, you're not through ordinary personality disorder, um, but you are in recovery with. Was it anorexia or bulimia? Again, I I was never labelled. I went <laughs> I went to the doctor and and uh, he said, you know, what can I do? Oh, what's up? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm bulimic. Um, and, you know, that, that took a lot for me to get into that room and say those words. Uh, and he, uh, I don't know if it's a knee-jerk reaction or, or what, but he said, I'm going to be the judge of that. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I put it back down, and I never went to the doctors with it ever again. Um, so I've never actually been diagnosed, but from my learning and my own observations of my behaviors um i was scared of food i would prefer to avoid food um and the longer i could go the happier i was and then eventually i would kind of cave and have a chicken breast um, or some broccoli <laughs> uh, but it was whenever i had the feeling of fullness you know that, even that slight twinge in your stomach where you've, you've had enough before that it would have to come up and, you know, there, there was no one talking to me at that stage. It was, you, you're going to get rid of this. And, and you wouldn't realise, there was going, and I, I saw it, I saw many of my, you know, one of the, the people I was training with being told, snap out of it, you can eat food, it's a choice. But the mind is a powerful mm. control. Yeah, I mean, look, we are, one of, one of the things that we kind of, Reach now, I suppose, is that you know you are in control of your mind. That that is, that is the ultimate, and that is where I think where we got to. Um, but when it comes to that kind of behaviour, and that what, what, when something's broken, it's broken, right? If you break your leg, you're in control of your leg, but you ain't gonna be able to walk on it. It's, it's the same with the mind; it was broken, so inferior should be able to control it, but. It, the, the break was stronger than my, my conscious thoughts. Thank you. I think that's just given 
field into real insight into this the struggles that you actually had internally with your own self where your rational mind is thinking one thing but your emotional mind is completely in a different place mm, absolutely yeah they were they were fighting each other <laughs> so you've now gone on the journey and i think you said you're 13 years in recovery and you've now got this instagram page called healthy done sexy which is mm. Positive turn. Yeah. So when I'd had that light bulb moment and I started, I started trying to get better. And obviously, point point one of me getting better was no more growing up food. Um, I continued to take heavy laxatives for a long time because I, 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 know, I gave up one thing. I needed to carry on with something else. It was, um, and I, I was also very very restrictive of my diet i needed that full control and i still do to a certain uh, sense but for different reasons we'll, we'll come to that uh so yeah so I, I i was feeling better um i was cook nice food and, and eat nice food and instagram came out and, and i wanted to come on with that um i knew i wanted to do something about food uh never crossed my mind a bit about uh eating disorders i think a bit too early um I was having like a, a, a skinny sausage or something with vegetables, uh, and it was like the first kind of time when you had reduced fat sausages or Weight Watchers sausages. Um, so I was opening Instagram, eating my dinner, and, and wanted to do something about healthy, but I wanted to show people that it doesn't have to be boring. And those words just came out. And I love it because you're healthy, done sex. It's, it's such a simple way of doing it because actually what we, we get a lot of shame we get a lot particularly it's got better and i was talking about this with uh, samantha uh, Harmon on the show it's got better the world has got better the way they market to us is it's not that so much about shame or you want to hide your body but actually it's almost like now embracing our lumps and our bumps because that's who we are but you know actually embracing that who we are is sexy and you can still be healthy with you. It's it's not about starving yourself. It's not about trying to achieve the ultimate. It's about your if you're healthy, you're sexy. Well, that's what oh. my husband anyway. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> stick with and say that that's when I get I just feel so fat and he answers with um yeah you've got a husband stop worrying about it and I still think you're sexy so I like health and sexy. Can you explain explain a little bit more about that and more about your Instagram page? <laughs> Uh, so it, my page started off and I, I didn't really take it seriously. It was a long time ago. Um, I don't, I've only really taken my page seriously for the first couple, for the last couple of years. Um, and the way it's evolved, I started just taking quick snaps in my kitchen of just massive plates of food, you know, like you can eat these big portions and it tastes lovely and you can still be healthy. Um, and then I started seeing people on Instagram doing things that kind of piqued my interest. They, you know, they were, they were fancier plates, they were more detailed and styled. Um, so I thought I'd try it. And, and then it evolved. And now I've been, maybe the beginning of the year, I came across um, Massimo Batoro with his lapping sauces all over the plate and whatnot. And I, and I had to try that. And that's that's become my kind of favorite, favorite style. Um, and you know, you, you people have a look and see. I start off every every reel with a, a dirty red big splatter on a plate of a sauce or something. 
Ah, uh, maybe, maybe. So I'm wondering who supported you through those dark times. Um, so at, at the beginning, um, I, I didn't really tell people. It, it was not something that I was vocal about. Um, I think, I don't want to say the support wasn't there, because I think it could have been. But you know, the, the monster in the brain was was a very angry beast, and uh, and also in denial. So if, if someone tried to reach out, or if they dared question my behaviours, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd lash out or or, or go into myself. Um, so I think there could have been support there. I think maybe that that might have been easier, but it just um, it wasn't the, the journey or the path I took. And, and I think that's also important to share, you know, if, if you're in a really dark place, and I, I, I talk about that all there, but if you're in a really dark place, you don't necessarily see the help or the support that's in front of your nose. It's not that you don't want to, it's not that you don't want to take it, you don't know how to. You, no. you, you don't know how to reach out. And, and, and actually sometimes when you do ask for help, I know that in my own personal I've asked for help the wrong way, and then that's also sort of alienated people where they thought, I was needy or I was being dramatic. That's the only thing. So, oh, she's just so dramatic. And actually, I was desperate crying out for help and support. So, you know, I just wanted to say that if, if somebody is listening to this and they are in that position, um, or if you're looking at somebody in that position and you just had enough and you just think, you know, I've had enough of being there and I'm not doing anything, actually, you just need to stay you know, for as long as you possibly can. Sometimes you don't keep away. But actually, sometimes I don't feel yeah. real. No, I, I do, I do. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for everyone suffering with, with a mental illness, but I think bulimia, because there's or anorexia, or or just you know the, the patterns of of not eating or not eating, because I was so ashamed of it, I would hide it. So if someone, if someone kind of tweaked or caught on, I'd feel like I've been caught out. Yeah, so it's like my, my my dirty secret's just been exposed. So you, you just go into denial. No, you know you, you're wrong. I'm not doing that. Uh, I think I you know I do actually remember someone questioning um, the blisters in certain places on my fingers and, and on my knuckles. Obviously, if you're using the same hand and, and fingers to make your sick all the time, you it you know, rubs against your teeth at the back of your throat. Uh, so I had big blisters and, and kind of cuts on my hand. And that got questioned once. And I remember I just just, just wanting the, the, the earth to open up and swallow me up. Like the, the shame and embarrassment in that moment. Um so yeah, and, and that was a general feeling. So but if I think if someone if someone knows that someone else is, is suffering, mental illness is a very selfish thing. And as, as hard as it is, you've you've just got to keep being there. Maybe at a distance sometimes, but as long as that person knows that they can come to you when they're ready, they want. Uh, you kind of just have to. Uh, it's really it's difficult, isn't it? You're struggling, and you're refusing help, and people that love you can't help you. You won't let them. It's, it's really it's a vicious circle, isn't it? It's, it's like you go round around the circles. The, the the loving family and the friends want to be there, but there is a point where sometimes they just for their own mental health. You know, I, I know it's happened to me where 
I desperately wanted to do that for something. And actually, it took a toll on my own mental health. And I had to walk away. And, 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 and that, that broke me. You know, it was, I had to go through a whole grieving cycle because I lost a very dear friend because my own mental health had suffered. And I wasn't functioning. And, and so it's, it is a, it's a really difficult situation for anybody who's doing either with their mental health issue or supporting someone. And that's where you need your network. You know, I, you, you need your network, you need your family. And I remember when I was looking at the situation and I had to work out where I had to prioritize, which sounds really, really selfish, but as you said, mental health is a selfish thing. And I had to look at my priorities and where I needed to put my focus and um, where I where I was who I was failing. That sounds really, really tough, but by what I was doing, who was I failing and was I being good to myself? And it took me a long time to get that mindset back to me. It sounds like you've gone through something very similar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I completely understand what you're saying as well. Like the um I say now to everyone that the most important person in any in any situation like that is is yourself. Uh, the most important person at the scene of an accident is the paramedics, because they're the ones that are going to fix things. So you are you always need to look out for you because if you're not, then, then you're no good to anyone else, especially yourself. Yeah. I think you spent some hospital as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, so that was no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. That was three days of of observation. Um, and at the time, it was it was exactly what I wanted. I didn't want to leave. Um, I, so you know, you go into this kind of segregated area of the hospital. You're amongst other other people that are struggling. Uh, some that are, that are really struggling. Uh, and some that you can sit down and have a relatively normal conversation with, but you're segregated from the world and you're around professionals and you're secure and you're safe. Um, and they they did their odds, they confirmed the, the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, they said they had an eating disorder, um, and then it, it was time I had to leave. And I begged them, and I really begged them to, uh, to section me, to keep me in, keep me in for a few months. Uh, because all the, uh, oh, serious talking to me, all of the, uh, all the experiences that I'd had in the outside world were, were negative. And I was on my own and I was scared and lonely. All of a sudden I was somewhere different where I could, I don't know, I think because I was allowed to be a little bit nuts in there. So, <laughs> Uh, but you know, they, they don't have the resources and you know, they don't have the facility. But and, and that's such a, that's such a, a repetitive story, isn't it? It's like you really need the help, you need the support. For the first time in a very long time, you felt mm -hmm. safe, you felt secure, and you felt you had hope, and yet they don't have the resources, and that's not their fault. I think that's just, I mean, we're not a physical rant. But I do think that's a state that, that sums up where we are, unfortunately, with the national health and the way that people are running it. So I'll be good. But I do think they should be kind of done. I mean, yes, there's mental health charities, but we should be relying on people to raise money to support another human being. 
There's, there's lots of subsidiaries to that, isn't there? Like mental health is, is affecting massive uh, uh, portion of the of the population. Um, so how big would that facility need to be? How strong would that network need to be? It's uh, yeah. So I, I remember in my childhood, and this is kind of it's not spoken of. I remember in my childhood, I used to, when I was at my local dancing school, um, we used to go to the shows around the local uh, the mental health the mental hospitals. That's what they were called. You know, it's not appropriate now, but that is what they were called. And uh, there was a, a slang term as well we used to call them. But we was well, yeah, I know. I'm not even going to go. There. It's so inappropriate. But so 1970s and 1980s. But when we were there, it was surprising. It wasn't just old people in there. there were, it, it was proportionally representative. It was young, you know, young adults all the way through. And we used to do shows, and I think we did one probably every Saturday and Sunday around the entire area that we grew up in. And we were at a different hospital all the way through. We did the system. You know, and, and I said, I'm going to try not to run across the <laughs> and focus back on TV. So um, along the way, who's your support network now? Uh, well, anyone now? I mean, I'm I'm very very open about everything now. So if someone wants to listen, I'll talk. Um, but I'm I'm really happy in saying that. I mean, I'm in such a strong position now that I, I think it's my time to help other people. Um, because it's a weird thing to say, but I'm very experienced <laughs> in this. Um, but where I'm at now is I'm, I'm now going to the gym and I'm now eating enough to actually deliberately put on weight. Um, I, I, I want to get bigger. Um, that's that's taken my mind a, a good few months to kind of get around. But that's that's where I'm at now. I'm not scared of food. I actually want to eat lots of it to get bigger. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I want... I want to do things like this to share my story to kind of i don't know be someone that that, that people can maybe uh resonate with or, or come to if they want to talk um i want to start helping people the way that perhaps i should have let myself get helped. Look, i think that's, that's really great and you know that's why we're talking this one it's really great it's powerful i think it's important we do talk about it it's it, it's no longer, not longer in a culture of sweeping these on the top. And we <laughs> don't have that support network that we had in my childhood. People like you coming forward, talking about your struggles, and talking about how you have successfully turned your life around. You know. And this is the thing you, you were there, you got hospitalized, you diagnosed with an eating disorder, and now you turned your life around and you are using food to empower and help others. And I think it's incredible, I really do. Yeah, it's um, it's weird hearing it, it it kind of said like that because for me it's just what I did. Um, I haven't, I've never kind of looked back and and thought of it in any kind of way other than I did what I had to do to get better. You know, it was um, so hearing someone like you saying it in that way is is a different perspective, I suppose. Yeah. 
this is a question I don't normally ask. Uh, it's been asked to me a few times, so it's okay if you don't want to. But um, it's, it's kind of a standard interview question, which is why I don't ask, ask it. But if you could go back and give it advice to yourself, what would it be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know because I know my mind back then. I know that I wouldn't listen. Uh, so for me to think of a single kind of sentence or, or a conversation to have with that younger me, it would have to be something really impressive that maybe my brain is not good enough to magic up at the moment. I, I was in such denial and I was, I was so kind of resistant to help that I don't know what anyone could have said, even myself. And, and I think that's really kind of what I was trying to get to because you know ultimately your body and your brain's in trauma and if you've got a trauma response it doesn't matter what anyone says to you you're going to get through and I guess that's what I was trying to get to because I feel myself being you know sort of 15 going through puberty having a trauma response and it was what we said obviously and I think that's what we were trying to explain about sometimes you just have to be there so, yeah, I think that's a perfect answer, actually. So, this is where the tables get turned and you get to ask any question. Now, I've got no idea what's going to be. So, yeah, feel free. Try and trip me up. Most people do. Blame, blame. That's like so, feel free. The floor is yours. I guess to ask you questions now, don't I? Um, okay, doing this, doing what you're doing, where, where did this... Where did this start? Uh, what, what was the inspiration and, and what were you doing before that, that you stopped? So, um, actually, it's really interesting. I do set this particular platform up because I wanted to help people. Um, I've had a very wonky life and a very wonky career. And I realised that my wonky life and career, thank you, Catherine, for the doctors, um, may help other people. Um, so, I constantly get asked, when did you book me? And I'm like, well, when the people that I want to apply it, so I don't have to upset them uh, because it's part of my life I don't share because um, I don't want to upset people. But ultimately, my life experience has been up and down. I have been right up to the highs and I've been so far down that I could barely get to the of the year. So, two extremes. So, I wanted to share without exposing with my life, you know, especially exposing. People who it's no fault of their own, I found myself in a position. So that was what this started off as was to help and support people. Um, and where did I come from? What could change? Good question. So, as an actor, I love performing. I absolutely love it. If Spielberg or some film director or a casting agent was to read it, watch this, and say, actually, she'd be great to have on, I would be great, great to have on camera, great to have on a the TV show, I would go tomorrow and I would film it and still keep this going. But I go tomorrow <laughs> I love, I, I, it was, I've been acting since I was um, eight years old and it was my true, true love. At the same time, I love marketing and I love helping people. So I've built a company that really works for me, playing to all my strengths because it's communication. And of course, I'm a born mutual platform, I speak to parents and I think communicate. So I do everything that I love, but what I feel or not, is actually going on stage. And that's because I'm not in the industry, I don't have an agent, and I'm earning enough money doing this 
the um, take a lot of time around the bed. So what I've given up is I haven't given it up. I've chosen to move away. I don't think I've given up anything because I've got a channel and it's got over 150 videos on it. But I've got a podcast for 66 episodes. So I don't think I've given up anything if I'm honest. I still perform it. Okay, okay. So there's, there's no regrets then. Absolutely, do you know what? Absolutely not. Um, I am the luckiest woman in the entire world. I really mean that. I am so lucky. Now, we've had some comments, so I'm just going to come over and are uh, a keen and absolutely adorable. Um, I did what I had to do to get better. That's the foundation of resilience and helping people understand how that attitude can turn their ship around. It's absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Seriously, from Keen, that is great. That's just actually giving me goosebumps. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate the honesty, the bravery, and your kindness. And I hold everything that you have for thank you. Thank you for having me, Kirsten. I really appreciate it.